0: hello welcome to the hoop collective podcast we talk about the nba which we're doing on monday afternoon joining me from los angeles california is om young Masook. hello om
1: what up what up Wendy? what's
2: going on
0: and up the coast in san francisco is nick friedel hey how's it going nick
2: Hey, omie it's always good to hear your voices
0: you know, Nick Olm was in the capital of the NBA last week, which I don't think has ever been said before. Was San Diego?
2: <laughs> uh, <laughs> I love three it. Three
0: teams, three teams um, trained in San Diego uh, last week, and Olm was there all week. I, I have a general. I've been to San Diego a number of times. Olm, I have a general feeling of the geography. Where were the? Where actually were the Clippers? nuggets and um, uh, nets actually at in the city.
1: Uh, So I'm going to go according to how my day went. And so the first team that practiced was the LA Clippers uh, starting around 10 in the morning at San Diego state Kawhi's old stomping grounds. And so basically they were in a gym over there across the street from the actual arena. And it was weird. Like there was a union there and every day, uh, it looked like a union and there was always this long line outside and it was basically it looked like COVID testing for students and local residents and stuff. And then the Clippers um had a gym around the corner from there. And so they would practice every morning from about uh like ten a.m. They would start practice and then they would hold availability at 10 30. And then I would once I was done there, <laughs> yeah, I raced practice. over to well, they only open for the first half an hour and then they practice. So what you see is the beginning when they're just basically okay. just walking onto end. the court. Okay. Yeah, no. Okay. Yeah, Clippers would start actually before it. And this worked out to my favor because then I would race over about a 15 minute, 15, 20 minute drive to uh, USD, University of San Diego, where the Nets were practicing. And mind you, these, both these campuses are beautiful. They are on like scenic hills. You had to drive up a hill to get there. And so the the Nets were at University of San Diego um, in this gym right near a baseball field. And there were fans outside waiting every day uh, to get autographs. And um, we would get them after their practice was done. So we were most every day told to kind of show up there by 12 o'clock and then they would open around one. This was a little problematic for my hopes to have hit all three teams every day because the Denver Nuggets were practicing at UCSD, which was up uh, in La Jolla, about another 15 minutes away. And they opened up pretty much every day around one o'clock. So I had to stick with the Nets and unfortunately not make it to Nuggets. I did do the trifecta on the How final dare day you. of camp.
0: <laughs> Just short shrift to the Nuggets. I know. As and that, usual.
1: A, and the Nuggets are my guys. I love the Nuggets. Um I finally did to do, I, I got to do the trifecta, which was on Saturday, because the Nets opened up early, because they were getting on a bus to head up to Los Angeles to play the Lakers on Sunday. And so I got to do Clippers in the morning, and then the Nets, and then I finally made it to Nuggets, got to say hello to my guy, Michael Malone, got to talk to Bull Bowl for a little bit, got to watch Jamal Murray shoot. So it was, uh...
0: But you didn't see the Joker. The was Joker... cool,
1: but you know what?
0: The Joker, Joker had a coach. baby. Uh, is, he is right. now
1: Papa Joker. Yes. <laughs> Papa Joker joined the team on Sunday in okay. Los Angeles when the Nuggets went to go watch the Rams. And so I think they were in a Cronky suite. And so Papa Joker showed up on the sideline and uh, fittingly had a football in his hand. Uh, and I think he was throwing a football on the sideline.
0: Yeah, well, I'll bet the Cronky suite at uh, at SoFi is a pretty nice suite, is my yeah.
1: guess. Uh, the, you know, Rams games have kind of become a hot spot for NBA players to go out. Like, Magic's been going, like, every weekend to the suite. And uh, prior to Clippers camp opening up, Paul George was there. I think Kawhi was there. LeBron has been to some Rams games. So, it looks like a lot of – What about of, Chargers
0: um, games? People going? Uh,
1: Chargers games, I don't think I can say as much.
0: <laughs> it's the same stadium, though. Should it not be just as uh, just as enjoyable?
1: It should be. It should be. But mm. uh looks like Rams so far are – a hot thing. Hot time. And, and congrats to Nikola Jokic, by the way, and his wife, Natalia, for having the baby. And but, I mean, I can tell you from, from watching Nikola Jokic over the years interact with kids, he's going to be a phenomenal father.
0: Well, I have a friend who lives in Serbia, and he sends me all of these ads that Jokic has over there for his energy drink. And his energy drink is a um, uh, like neon yellow can. And, you know, it's in Serbian, but there's, it's, I think, I think the actual translation for it is no sleep. And uh, the most recent ad that I saw of it was uh, like a uh, Jokic holding a baby and they had superimposed Jokic's face. So it looked, it looked like, you know, it was like a clone of himself on his baby's face. And they were now using that as no sleep, cause he's got no sleep as a, uh, as a father. So, um, So obviously, uh, you know, right now teams are not going overseas. Typically, uh, teams go overseas, um, you know, as many as six teams, I think, have gone overseas in the preseason in uh, other non-COVID years. So teams are taking advantage uh, or, you know, going other places besides overseas. The Nets uh, were a team went overseas regularly. Um, So uh, they're going out there. And it turned out to be an advantage. All um, because Kyrie couldn't practice in New York yeah. Yeah. Um, he can practice in San Diego and did um, and I was watching you on the jump every day give whatever you could say about what Kyrie was doing but it was still something that was a distraction like uh, Kyrie didn't speak to the media I mean apparently that's not no longer required in the NBA players used to be required to speak to the media but now they don't have to speak to them anymore and so he just uh, was going through practice and having his teammates have to, and coaches have to answer for the predicament, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, look, uh, to some degree, San Diego was the perfect spot for them because uh, only two writers, I believe, traveled from New York to San Diego. Um, and so really, of uh, the traveling media, they they didn't do Zooms. Uh, they don't – this season, teams are not required to have to do Zooms from practices or shoot-arounds. So it's up to teams to do it. Um, the Clippers did it. I think the Nuggets might have done their Zoom uh, practice on Zoom, but the Nets did not. So if you did not travel as a member of the media to their camp, you were not going to basically be able to hear on any of the interviews or ask any questions. Um, And so they opened up uh, pretty much with like half an hour to go and practice. So when we would get in, we would just be able to see them kind of shooting free throws and shooting jumpers and working on whatever their routine is at the end. And so you would see Kyrie kind of doing work, but we didn't get to watch any like you know, five on five or any runs or anything like that. Uh, you just kind of get glimpses of that through their social media with the pictures. But really for the most part, Steve Nash would just answer questions of like, there's no new update on Kyrie. And if you asked him <laughs> like, well, what's going to happen next week, he would say, I didn't, know. I don't know. I haven't talked right. to him yet about the vaccination status, things like that. Right. And they that never, would be pretty much it's, it.
0: It's only like one of the most important things facing the NBA, but Nick, we're not talking to him about it. Why would they? Why would they bring it up? Why would they? You know, we're going over uh, horns high. Why would we worry about whether our point guard is going to be able to play at home? Don't you? That's just media talk.
2: Uh, a lot of media talk, and I noticed it uh, from the Warriors' standpoint, guys. I mean, Steve Kerr, in my opinion, is the very best coach I have ever dealt with from a media standpoint in any sport. He understands the role that we play. He understands what is needed on a daily basis. And so many times he is trying to kind of create the narrative for his own team through his comments. And, and that doesn't make him unique, certainly in what we deal with on a regular basis in the NBA. But I say all that because he is so good and to hear him just not get into any of the vaccine stuff as it related to Andrew Wiggins and just say, hey, look, he got it. That's all anybody needs to know. I mean, for the last week, though, what Ohm was saying, B, made so much sense for me because it was like that was really the only question, Uh, the biggest question, definitely. Has Andrew gotten the vaccine yet? And, And Steve Kerr would sit there and would just say, there's no update. And at that point, whether you're Kerr or Nash or whomever, any coach who's dealing with this in the league, there isn't that much else to say in the moment. But uh, for somebody who who is so good on a regular basis, delivering a message or or going through what he's feeling or how his team is feeling to to see this particular topic kind of lock everything down has been much much different and it just goes to show that it's something that will continue to to hover over the league so long as there are players that still uh, don't feel comfortable taking this vaccine all
0: right we'll talk about wiggins in a minute but um all um, this is the thing you know that has been is kept been said, you know the, the nets keep saying um we're not worried we're not worried and i mean look at the end of the day, if Kyrie misses some home games in November or October, it's not, you know, it's, it's going to slam them in the in the bank. But it's not the end of the world for the Nets. It's a long haul. But everybody keeps saying it's going to get worked out. Uh, I don't know why they say that, that it's going to get worked out. I mean, I, I don't know if they know something they're not going to tell us. Which okay, that happens, but. I just think that they're just trying to get past the topic as fast as they possibly can. And that's not going to get you anywhere in the long run. That'll get you out of, uh, of creating a sound bite, fine, but it doesn't get you out of the problem. And the Nets have been saying this, you know, trust me, we were checking on this in the weeks leading up to training camp and we kept hearing the same thing. It's going to get taken care of. It's going to get taken care of. It didn't get taken care of. So, um, you know, the, the Nets, should have savored their time out there in fact they probably should have extended their time out there because now he's gonna they're gonna be in new york and they're gonna have to deal with the local media and they're gonna have to deal with him on the inactive list starting in the preseason games at the end of this week
1: yeah i I would have to imagine that for sean marks to come out and publicly say that he thinks by the start of the regular season this is not going to be an issue they have had to get some sort of indication from Kyrie's camp that that's going to be the case because the Nets are not this type of team that would say something like that publicly. I mean, to be, I'll be honest with you. I was a little surprised that that Sean Marks even talked about that two or three weeks ago, whenever he did his media availability, because for the most part, he likes to keep things pretty tight lipped. Um, And you're right. I was wondering why didn't they stay in San Diego longer? Because this is a team That yes, you're right. In the long run of things, if Kyrie gets vaccinated, I don't know, 10, 15 games in the season, I'm just throwing that number out there. I'm not saying that because I know anything, but it it probably won't impact them as much for their championship run. But this is a team very much so that is working on its chemistry, uh, trying to bond off the court. They have a lot of new pieces. They have a lot of pieces that didn't have time to work together last year. They have a lot of guys that have huge resumes. And I'm not necessarily saying egos, but roles need to be worked out on this team. And they need time, not only on the court, but off the court together to figure each other out. I asked Kevin Durant about like, can a, can a trip to San Diego and the things you do off the court help your chemistry? What have you seen so far? And he just kept saying, we need reps on the court together. Uh, <laughs> and we can't say anything yet in the preseason. It's got to come more with us being on the court together. What happens now when they go back to New York and Kyrie cannot practice unless he gets one shot. He only needs one shot, not two. He needs one shot under New York law of COVID protocols right now that, from my understanding, I don't know, uh, Wendy, if he gets that one shot, does he have to wait like a week or two for it to to really kind of take into effect? Or if he just shows proof of that one shot, he's ready to go and practice. Um, So I, I do think this is It's going to be a disruption. That's why I asked Steve Nash last night. I said, if Kyrie Irving is going to be out this week, what did you gain out of San Diego by having Kyrie around? And he just said Kyrie was locked in as everybody was, and he came to work, and he just said, but we have three more weeks of camp, and we got to keep that up. You know what? You might have to do it without Kyrie Irving.
0: Nick, you've heard this a thousand times. Every time there's like a sudden change to a team in the middle of the season or something like that, The coaches say the same thing or when they're coming into a season where maybe they had an injury plague season. We just have to have our training camp together. Coaches talk about training camp like it's the most sacred thing in the world. You know, they they, go on a five game losing streak in February. What do they say? Well, you know, we didn't have everybody together for camp. I mean, this is all they, they always say this. So you can't talk out of both sides of your mouth and say that this is no big deal. And then later on say, well, you know, we didn't have everybody together for camp because that's what they always say.
2: It's always been an issue. I mean, I I can't tell you how many times through the years, everything always goes back to camp and the lack thereof. And B, this is exactly what, what you're getting at. I mean, if you're the nets, of course, these reps are, are crucial. And, And of course, everybody's got to be sitting there going, oh, what the hell is going to happen in the next couple weeks? I mean, is Kyrie actually going to get this shot? Is, is this going to become even bigger of a distraction once they get home? I mean, this is, this is the issue that specifically these teams in New York and out here in San Francisco with the Warriors, that's why it is so much different. I mean, it's one thing for a guy – in Orlando, let's take Jonathan Isaac, not to, to get the vaccine and explain himself. But there are no repercussions. There's there's not a problem for these teams, uh, and especially now with the Nets, to potentially not have Kyrie for a week or two weeks or whatever the case may be as he follows the protocols and, and feels more comfortable about taking the shot. It's a huge issue, but I'm with you. I don't want to hear any excuses if you're the Nets uh, months from now, saying, oh, well, you know, we really haven't been together, and we really haven't been healthy. I mean, injuries are always going to be part of the game. It, that's part of the deal. But if you're uh, if you're not allowing yourself to have that time together when the protocols are what they are and the city uh, the city rules are what they are in this case in New York City, uh, then you know, I, I think Kyrie, if the Nets have any kind of struggles, is going to face even more." blame because this was a choice that that he could have made and and made everything a lot easier on right and and there's almost no
0: way out of it so like so so let's say that uh you know misses a couple of home games early on and then because i think they open the season in milwaukee right don't they yeah
1: yes they're in milwaukee and then and then at philadelphia
0: okay so let's say like in those two games kairi averages like 32 points um you know, nine assists, shoots 58% from the field, 48% from the field. Let's say he's just awesome, right? Like nothing to, to, you know, just, wow, Kyrie full part top of his game, ankles healthy. Well, then it's like, uh, yeah, dude, that's great. You played great, but now you can't play in your home opener. And, and then if it's the opposite, if Kyrie plays poorly, you know, in those first two games, then it's going to be like, well, it's because he doesn't get to practice with the team. You know, he's in an, he he's in a no win uh, situation. The other thing I'm going to say is, you know, I'm sure fans are wondering what's the delay, either yay or nay, what's the delay. And one of the things is in talking to some people, one of the ways the the, first off, uh, uh, Bill de Blasio, the the mayor of New York commented on this and he made it pretty clear. He didn't say exactly these words, but he made it pretty clear. There's no, he's not sending out uh, a life raft to Kyrie. He basically is like, I'm not giving an exemption. Um, Kyrie, you know, all the, you know, he, he made it clear that there wasn't going to be something from that because he has been a Nets fan in the past. He lives in Brooklyn, et cetera. There's no special treatment coming for Kyrie. Second thing is the law, you know, the ordinance, the executive order, I'm not sure what the exact correct verbiage is. It's not comprehensive and totally cleanly written. There's, it's unclear how, because it, because it refers to the rules being different for quote, Mm non-residents, which is supposed to be for, you know, players who are visiting. Um, If you're a visiting team, you're a non-resident, so you can come in and play. Um, Well, Kyrie isn't a resident of New York city. He's in, he lives in New Jersey, I believe. So he potentially, not just he, but others, out there who are affected by this potentially could challenge this in a way that the the you know that there's a loopholes in the legal language i don't know if he's going to do that but you know there are more ways for him possibly he's thinking of to get this handled than just simply getting vaccinated so keep an eye on that I, i'm not saying i know what they're going to do i just know that that's one of the things yeah. that's at least been looked at hey. um oh go ahead
1: I have a couple things. One, to go back to your point earlier about how camp coaches love to talk about the narrative of, oh, we didn't have these guys in camp once the season's over. That was one of the excuses the Clippers gave when Kawhi Leonard and Paul George were not able to participate in camp. And then they suffered their meltdown in the bubble afterwards. Doc Rivers just kept saying, we didn't have these guys for camp. (laughs) And it started that way because those guys were injured coming into camp. So, yes, you're right. Coaches always turn back to it. Number two. I thought one thing that was very interesting while we were in San Diego was Joe Tsai uh, did a couple sit downs with the two Nets beat writers that did come out from New York, and he told Brian Lewis from the New York Post that our goal, he said, well, I respect what Kyrie's saying that he is, you know, these are for personal reasons and things of that nature. But he also said, what is our goal? Our goal is to win a championship, and in order to win a championship, we all have to be on the same page, pulling in the same direction. And of course, Joe Tsai is a big proponent of getting vaccinated. So he wants to see this team not be pulled in different directions, be on the same page, be together all about winning a championship. And so when the owner is trying to set that, I think that agenda, I think Kyrie is probably going to eventually have to fall in line. Number three about the schedule. They open at Milwaukee. They open at, and then after that, they go and play the Sixers, two big games. They have a six game home stand after that, Brian. If Kyrie Irving is not vaccinated by then, that is six games, six of your first eight games without Kyrie Irving. That is a long six, six, stretch. I
0: just say six game home are unusual. I mean, they obviously happen. Um, six game home stands in November, October.
1: Yeah, and <laughs> then they happens, and then after that, they go on the road for six straight games. So then they would have Kyrie for a long time if Kyrie is not vaccinated up to that point, and he continues this whole little thing. So it'll be a story that will not go away if if he is not vaccinated by the start of the season because they play Charlotte after Milwaukee and at Philadelphia. They play Charlotte, much improved. Washington, which of course we'll have to see Bradley Beal coming. Will Bradley Beal be vaccinated by them? We don't know. The Miami Heat, Indiana Pacers, and Detroit Pistons all at home. And then the Atlanta Hawks. And then they head on the road.
0: Two guys drove to work. <laughs> Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, experience it live.
2: And, and I'd add this to, to Ohm's point, Be real quick. You said a little bit ago, Kyrie's in a no-win situation. And my argument back would be, well, he can, he can win the situation. Get the vaccine. And my point in all that would be, these are the rules if there is no help from de Blasio coming and there is no religious exemption and the nets and Kyrie's uh, the team around him can't find a way for him to skirt around the rules that are in place within New York city, then take the shot and, and be a member of, of the team and, and follow uh, the, the rules of, of what, is going on. I mean, that's the issue to me. If you, whether you believe in taking the vaccine or not, if the rules are in place and they say, well, you've got to do this in order to do your job, then that's what it is.
0: Well, and that's essentially what happened with Wiggins and that. So, and the, the, th- the thing is, is I've talked to NBA executives at the ownership level uh, up to, Numerous levels, but up to NBA owners. I've talked to them in the last week or so about it, both about the vaccine situation and the Ben Simmons situation. And we've talked about this. And it's one of these things where really it comes down to the money. They're, they're, you know, they basically line this up to make the money be such that the players are made uncomfortable enough to, go with what uh, the, you know, the teams want them to do. And in the case of Wiggins, I mean, Wiggins hasn't spoken about why he got vaccinated, but it seems like the league ruling that he would lose, uh, how much was it, Nick? 300-something thousand a game? Yeah,
2: several hundred thousand a game.
0: Uh, They made the announcement that that was going to happen, and Andrew got vaccinated within 48 hours. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, I, so, I, mean, I, I think Ky- for Kyrie, you could be looking at three hundred eighty one thousand dollars per per game
0: per, per home game. So, you know, I was talking to. Um, so putting the money like in the case of Ben Simmons, they put the money that they were supposed to pay him last week in escrow that he was supposed to, um, uh, you know, get eight point two five million bucks. As uh, we talked about on this pod before, they put the money in escrow uh, and they're going to fine him out of that escrow. Uh, in other words, they're going to pull the money out of the escrow as each day passes and each fine passes. And the reason they're doing that is if they had paid him that $8 bucks and then tried to peel money out of his future paychecks, it would have been hard to and taken a long time to get the fine money that they were due because he would have already had half of his salary in his pocket. And so this is a way that they were able to, you know, sort of get their fine money. And that is a maneuver that is actually commonplace in the NFL. And I actually spent some time talking to Mike Tannenbaum, who works um, with us at ESPN. He was the general manager or president, I'm not sure what his title was, of the Jets and the Dolphins. And I'm not sure what his background was before that. But, you know, holdouts in the NFL, when I say holdout, I mean a guy under contract not playing are way more probable. They've been going on for decades. The NBA, we've seen a lot of guys not, sign who don't have contracts technically not a holdout we call the holdout but a holdout is sort of means that you're under contract and not showing up and the in the nfl they have a system where players signing bonuses are held in escrow and apparently this is from an old time back in you know the day when these nfl teams weren't filthy rich and they were worried about signing but w- whether teams didn't have the money to pay signing bonuses um because signing bonuses you know are paid out over the years even though it's called a signing bonus So, like if you have a signing bonus if you have a five-year contract and you have a 10 million dollar signing bonus you get like two million dollars per year um usually in a lump sum but so they have to put the money in an escrow account for that signing bonus and so when some of these players who are holding out of the nfl Um, you know, most of the time with star players, you're not going to hold out for a bigger contract if you're not a star player. So you would have a a significant signing bonus in all likelihood. They would take the money out of that escrow account the exact same way the Sixers have done this. So in a lot of ways, the Sixers are kind of following the NBA, the NFL's protocol on how to deal with a holdout by creating this escrow account. The thing about the NFL is that the NFL has a bunch of, so for years, what would happen in the NFL is a guy would hold out. In fact, I was talking to Tannenbaum about Darrell Reeves. He was the general manager of the Jets when Darrell Revis was the number one defensive back in the NFL. And he was holding out. In fact, he was during uh, Hard Knocks that season. Um, Revis, you know, Island. Was, Revis Island. Revis Island. Were you living in New York? You, I don't know. You weren't covering the yeah, Jets back I, then. Were you? I,
1: I Actually, it's, it's funny because uh, I'm one of the few writers that covered the NFL and the NBA. And so... I covered the Giants and the Jets for several years, um, first as a backup on both teams. And then I covered the Giants as a beat rider. So I was around when the Revis Island holdout was going on. And that was okay. a very, very contentious holdout.
0: Right, right. So, but what ended up happening with Revis, and also what ends up happening with a lot of times when the star player comes back in, in fact, I think the number that Tandenbaum told me was that about 90% of the time when the star player came back, either as part of his, um, renegotiated contract or under an agreement, they usually would get all the, or, or if not all, most of the fine money back. He was sort of like, come back in, let's, let's put this, let's get all the same page and let's get this healthy. And that's one of the things that Ben Simmons side has put out and not unreasonably, quite frankly, um, the idea that he might get the fine money back in the long run, or at least a, a big share of it. So that, so that was happening so often in the NA, in the nb NFL, that um the cba and the nfl changed and they made a rule that once you got fined you couldn't get it back even if you were you know had ch- a change of heart and came skipping into your team facility with your owner singing kumbaya and in, you know with lollipops and rainbows you you know no matter what you couldn't get it back once the fine money was gone you can't get it and i i I think that we are seeing such a precedent-setting situation. It wouldn't surprise me that, especially with so many star players now locked into long-term contracts that so many of them have extended, you know, somebody else is going to get upset and somebody else is going to want to trade. And if, if Ben Simmons is successful here, they're gonna they're gonna want to, to to maybe try the same thing. And so this is you know all these teams and owners are watching this and watching how Philadelphia handles it. And here we have. I think there's only like 15 or 18 guys in the NBA who, have, who get their, their money in advance like uh, like Simmons is or was. He's not getting an advance anymore. But setting an, upper, an escrow account and finding it out of that is maybe the future of it, even though that's not listed in the CBA. It is not part of a, a tradition in the NBA or or a standard procedure. And then I wouldn't be surprised if in the future that the NBA owners try to get into the new CBAs what happens if you hold out? Because the NFL guys have done that so that they they can take that money. And so what this all gets down to is whether it's the vaccine or whether it's Simmons, the position that the NBA is taking is that they are going to bleed them out with these fines and you know suspensions. To, to, and, and that, you know, Nick, I mean, it was so much money for Andrew Wiggins, even though he said, don't count my money. It's just common sense to, to look at it and think about how much money that is, uh, especially for a player who very likely will not make this type of salary uh, for the rest of his career. He's, these are going to be his salad days in terms of salary. He's never, you know, going to just make this money back. Right?
2: No doubt. And in the end, that's exactly why the Warriors as uncomfortable at times as Monday's media day got when Wiggins was kind of going back and forth with the reporter saying, Hey, it's my problem as far as any lost earnings, not yours. That's why there was never that deep of a concern that he would continue the stance into the regular season and miss the hundreds of thousands of dollars of game checks that were on the line. And this is what Ohm was referring to with Kyrie. I mean, in the end, the Warriors always figured that Wiggins would take the shot because there was way too much money on the line. What pissed him off and it was very clear in listening to his initial comments was that it had gotten out in the first place, that he hadn't gotten the shot and that somebody in the organization had put it out there that he was still unvaccinated and ran the risk of of potentially losing those checks. And that's kind of caused a, a little... Bit of an issue for now because the Warriors, for so long, have been so pro-player and want to be that beacon of a team. That
0: yeah, but all- it was also the NBA. I mean, the NBA also right. in an effort right. to in an effort to you know set a precedent, put his name in a press release. <laughs> you know, they're like, by the way, we rejected Andrew Wiggins' appeal. That's Andrew yeah. Wiggins, W-I-G-G-I-N-S, <laughs> Golden State Warriors.
2: Right. So, uh, I mean, as far as the Wiggins case. There are some layers here, but in the end, anybody you talk to in there, whatever Andrew's beliefs may be, he applied for that religious exemption. Uh, the league declined it. The Warriors always felt like the money was, was too great and that that they felt when push came to shove, he was going to get the shot. He has. With the Kyrie stuff, I man, I – I, I'm not sure exactly how it plays out. And 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 B, I, I throw this in there in the context of the Simmons conversation while we're going through all this. Why hasn't he been moved yet? Like, what is the holdup? They just don't feel like they're getting enough back because this thing is going to be a mess. As why does
0: anybody? Why does anybody not get traded? Because you can't agree on a trade.
2: Yeah. You you know what,
1: though, I think when we were talking about the NFL versus the NBA, and I feel this is the difference here. And you were like, you also made it a question of whether or not Ben Simmons gets traded, which made me realize that I because I've been around the NBA for so long and I've been some attuned and have become accustomed to stars getting their way when they demand a trade, you almost always assume that he is going to be gone. Like it has never entered my mind that Ben Simmons is coming back to Philadelphia in some form or manner this season. Like that bridge is being burned, torched, destroyed, bombed, nuked in every which way. And so it's just like, okay, this is what stars do. They force their way out. They try to make it as bad as possible. Harden was even asked this uh, two days ago or three days ago, like, do you see any similarities? Are you tracking what's happening with Ben Simmons to your situation, what happened in Houston? It was a little uncomfortable. Hardin was like, oh, there are two different situations. And he said, he said, but my situation was uncomfortable. And he was like, and I don't like being uncomfortable. I don't like negativity around me. He said, I like positivity. And I had to kind of go yeah. through that.
0: By the but, way, I, I, that was a very interesting, stop for a second. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. It's a very interesting answer that he gave there. Um, he also said, please correct me if I'm wrong. I don't have it in front of me. He, he also said that he was, he he was kind of just banking on people forgetting about
1: it. Yeah, I think he he said that ho- hopefully now we've people kind of gotten past it. it that it's worked out for both sides.
0: Yeah, um, he kind of spoke the he kind of spoke the, uh, the 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 quiet part out loud there, which was the the calculus that you do here as a star player is all right. Let me I'll take a couple of bad weeks and get out of it and they'll just be forgotten about. I mean, you know, certain people never forget about it, but certainly when James Harden shows up for a game, you know, it won't be a topic of conversation. Yeah, let, the me play the, the
1: let me give you the exact quotes that I have in front of me. It was a little uncomfortable for me just because I don't like a lot of attention, especially negative energy or draining energy. I like to be in a good place. I like to smile and have people around me smiling and good vibes So it was kind of a little uncomfortable for me, but I had to go through it. And on the other side, I am happy to where I am now. Hopefully everybody forgot about it. Hopefully everybody moved on and everybody is great.
0: Right. Like that's the, I mean, we know that, but like Kim just basically admitting that was the game plan, which again, if you're an NBA owner, that is not what you want to hear. Because if you're, you know, player X, and you're under contract for three years and 120 million. And you're done with your situation and you call up James Harden and are like, James, how did you make it through that? And James is like, listen, man, it was tough for a few weeks, but everybody forgot. Don't even worry about it. I mean, like, this is what what Anthony Davis would say too. You know, I don't think Anthony Davis yeah. loved it. Although, you know, the, that's all, uh, he kind of lost any sort of high ground with the, that's all folks shirt on the uh, last day of the season. But, like, like Anthony Davis, he had his lasted a little bit longer because he had sort of that that zombie period where he was like playing in every two out of every three games or whatever it was for New Orleans, just sort of finishing out that season. But like he doesn't have any regrets about that. This so is like, this is
1: a, this is the superstar blueprint for asking for a trade, so, right, Wendy? Right, like we've seen it go back like, for so decades.
0: They need Ben Simmons. Like when I say they, the owners and the teams need Ben Simmons to be scarred. They need him to come through this and be like, I hated going through that. I, I lost X number of million dollars. I developed an Ulster. I was miserable because if he comes through this and gets his money and gets what he wants, there's no I mean, it's already becoming commonplace. There's no, you know, but, but recently it's been guys on the last year of their contract where, where they have more leverage. But if Ben Simmons comes through this and he just gives the same interview that James Harden did in a year, yeah, it was uncomfortable for a couple of weeks, but everybody forgot about it. That's a victory for the players and a victory for the stars and and problematic for the owners. And this is something that is definitely on the topic of conversation right now
1: that's the difference between the NBA and the NFL In the NFL, the players don't have the power and the NBA, the players do. I mean, a lot of it has to do with guarantee contracts, right? Like in covering the NFL and the NBA, one thing you notice is that NFL players they're scared of, they don't have the power. So they're scared of saying things. They, they're not as outspoken as NBA players. Um, they are scared of the coach. They are scared of the owner. So they're going to always fall in line and they are always fighting for whatever that big payday is. That's why a superstar like Darrell Rivas Held out for so long because he knows he only has so many checks, so many big paydays. Whereas in the in the NBA, players are their own corporations. Well, They'll say well, whatever they want to say, and though, they know they're going to get the money. They know they're going to get their it. money. Even you're like even if like it. even if NBA they, players know you're going to lose money, you're going to They on. know they're going to recoup it.
0: They're trying to unguarantee the contracts. That's what they're doing. What yeah. they're saying is, if you don't show up because of the vaccine, or you don't show up because of a holdout, we're unguaranteeing the contract. We're going to take your money. Right. And, you know, when when Andrew Wiggins signed that contract, whatever it was, 140 million or whatever, he believed he was getting all that money. OK, he knows if he gets a technical or if he flagrant to somebody and gets suspended a game. OK, but he never operated under the belief that he would have to get a vaccination to to keep millions of his of his dollars. So they're unguar- they're trying to unguarantee the money whenever they can't and that's really their that's why again when i say they that's the league and the teams that's their game plan to try to force the players into doing what they want nick
2: what does a win in this case then for the owners as it pertains to simmons situation what does a win look like for them
0: for the ones who get it done ranger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call or click ranger.com or just stop by. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. I would say it would be Ben Simmons reporting, but I think that's ship has sailed and I don't think it would work. So, but I think a win would be for the next superstar who's thinking about holding out, not holding out. I think that's the win. And we may never even know about that win. It's, you know, I think that's what it, you know, what they're looking for. I don't know about this exact situation. This one may not be solvable for a win.
1: It's funny because right now we are talking about two players that it very much feels like they are taking a stand for two different principles. Kyrie, the reason why we don't know, like to Nick's, to Nick's point, any logical person would say if you're going to lose $381,000 per, <laughs> per game, at some point just get the shot if these are the rules set up get the shot but kyrie and you were saying like it's not set up for him to win nick kyrie may not looking at kyrie may be looking at this like a win for him is not getting the shot and i think that's the whole thing if you look at it from his point of view if you're willing to put the money behind his stance and what he's what he really believes is gonna stand for he's going to have to lose the checks and he might be willing to do that ben simmons on the other hand his whole principle is basically he is not happy. He felt he was probably done wrong uh, by Doc and the Sixers or whatever. He wants a new spot to go to. It's so uh, interesting to watch these two guys to see how far they're going to take this. How far are they going to take this, where they're going to take this stance for what they believe in?
2: And that's why so, I think part of it is the, the win. In this case, let's go back to Simmons. The win is the owners in this case get the money. They keep that money that you're talking about, B. That that there is some kind of.
0: But they're prepared to. Well, I mean, in the case of Wiggins, he's, he's overpaid, but they don't. They're not doing it to keep the money. They they want their whole team on the court.
2: Right, but but in in place of that, if if Ben Simmons holds to "I am never playing for the Sixers again," never gonna happen. Then, in some small way, I would think. The Sixers could come back and say, okay, well, we are not giving you money for missing all of training camp and potentially, if this stretches a little longer, missing these games. That money is never coming back.
0: Right, but I think if you ask Josh Harris, the owner of the Sixers, what would he rather have? The money he didn't pay Ben or Ben or a trade that he liked that those player players, he would, he would take the players available playing. Um, you know, he, he's already committed to spending that money. He's trying to win. I don't, I know what you're saying, but I don't, I don't think that's on the menu, what they're looking for now. And the one thing we don't understand, and I'm sure it's being still negotiated, by the way, (laughs) it was funny. So Tim Bontemps and Bobby Marks had a story today, meaning Monday that the, that the union and the players came up with a formula for how much guys who are not, uh, vaccinated, uh and can't play in in these games are going to lose. So it was 192.6% of their salary. So um, 190, I'm not even saying it correctly, because it's such a strange thing to say. It's a fraction, but it's got a percentage. (laughs)
1: 191.6%. No, right? that's not it. What one ninety one ninety first point six percent?
0: This would blow my mind. It's blowing my mind as a forty year old. It's certainly blow my mind as in in basic math. They, you know, normally you lose a you lose a a paycheck, and you say you say, well, how many paychecks are there? Well, you know, a game check. Oh, okay. Well, there must be eighty two game checks. Well, there's actually not eighty two game checks. Some players are fine. I don't know. It's this is already getting too far in the weeds, but there instead they're getting one 90 second, one over 92.6 oh, 92.6 put that in a fraction per missed game and I, the reason that's so crazy is i'm thinking about the negotiation that had to go down for this you know that is that is the product of some negotiation. we're going to take uh, we're going to take one out of every, you know, we're going to do this ratio one out of every eighty second. No, no, one out of a hundred. No, one out of uh, ninety. No, one out of ninety five. No, one out of ninety two. Uh, no, one out of ninety two point five. You know, it's just a crazy, like the, the back and forth just to get to that percentage is wild, and they're basically fighting to to keep money in Kyrie's pocket, the the union, which you know, <laughs> it's just wild. Um, but what the NFL has done. Is some of the players because they don't want to because this rule came up that once you get fined, you can never get the money back. Players started doing uh, what is what is now being called the hold in. So, and I could be wrong on this because I don't follow the NFL that closely, but I think TJ Watt was one of the guys with the Steelers who did this. He wanted a new contract, he came to camp, went to all the meetings and everything, but he did not play he did not want to get hurt either in practice or a preseason game so he was like not fully participating and it would be a hold in um had Ben Simmons done that had he reported to camp but just told Sixers I'm not gonna play until you trade me um or he had just said my back hurts I can't play and effectively done a hold in the Sixers would have had a lot more difficulty finding him So that could be that's that's the way the NFL players have adapted to the holdout rules. That could be the next frontier after this is a player who reports and doesn't uh, play. It's sort of kind of what like John Wall is doing, although in his case, the team is on board with it. He is essentially holding in. He's going to be traded at some point or whatever, but he's not playing. So it's all these shades of gray, but. When you look at the league right now, Nick, all these star players are locked into contracts. You know, Bradley Beal is really kind of the last guy out there that's that's a superstar, Beal and Harden, who have not extended and are not locked in. But Harden is, you know, in his situation, he forced a trade to Brooklyn. And I think it's just a matter of him, you know, deciding to get a more money by waiting. You know, uh, everybody else is signed. And so this is going to be, I think, something that happens down the line when somebody in a deal wants to get, wants to get out. so, you know, this is once it wants to get traded. Like, I know that it sounds like we're beating it to death, but it's a really important point.
2: I think it's huge because again, let's tie in the warriors to all this. The warriors were hopeful that somebody would appear, but be to your point. Who is it for so long for a year? Plus it was, all right, maybe it's Bradley Beal. Maybe he's the guy that the the organization could work out a a deal for. And there's been no indication that he wants to go anywhere. And now, at least out here in the Bay, there's an ongoing conversation. What would you give up for Ben Simmons? Would it work with Draymond? How would that play out? But this is absolutely an issue that the league is going to continue to face because whether it's the Warriors or somebody else, everybody is always looking for the next star. And contractually... The, the stars, the top-tier guys in this league are all locked in. And aside from Ben Simmons, there's always going to be somebody else who appears. But Ben Simmons is really the only star at this point that's attainable. And because of all his issues uh, over the last couple of years, but certainly in the postseason in Philly, there are people that are going to listen to us saying, well, how big of a star is Ben Simmons? How much of a difference maker can he be? And that's why he's in the spot that he's in. That's why the, the Sixers can't find the right move at least at this point, that they would make. But this is something that is going to continue to kind of hover over how business is done in the league because it's star-driven to Ohm's point. The players have the control. And the reality for all these teams is there aren't a lot of stars that are readily available because they're locked into these deals in a lot of cases with teams that they feel comfortable with right now.
0: Yeah, well, um, you know, I know that the NBA has wanted the franchise player tag for a long time, and they just haven't been able to get it. Uh, Basically, the Supermax contract is an attempt at the franchise tag. Um, But I do think it's fascinating that really, um, you know, and, and, and the funny thing is, of course, the NFL players have tried to get guaranteed contracts, and more and more, the star players are getting more and more money guaranteed. Um, so, you know, the top players now, their guarantees are way, way up there, way more than they were percentage-wise than they were decades ago. Is that right, Olm? Oh, don't you think that's accurate?
1: It's like this. It's the signing bonus, typically. Like the NFL player gets, I think the, what the last big holdout was TJ Watt, right, from the Steelers. So like, I, I think when you look, you always look for the signing bonus and how much they get in the signing bonus now it'd be like, they're outrageous.
0: I know, but I'm saying like, a lot of players are getting guaranteed more than just a signing bonus guaranteed now.
1: Yeah, I think um, I, you're probably right about that. Um,
0: and yeah, whatever. I think, the point yeah. is, is that the NFL player, the NFL was chasing the NBA player contracts for a while. Uh, naturally, because of their length and their guarantee. And now it's the NBA. Uh, I, I really do think it's going to be sort of the NBA teams that are headed, going to head towards the NFL rules. Uh, the NFL rules to try to deal with this situation with these situations and um, I think it's um, I think it's an interesting pivot point uh, for the league Um, before we go uh, Nick I just wanted to ask you um, I know that some of the Warriors players uh, really tried to convince Wiggins to get the vaccine that they made personal pleas and not only just on a on a personal level, but just like, Hey, listen, we need you out there on, on, on for the team, which of course they do. He's an important player for them. Then you have Draymond come in and basically say, you don't if you don't get it, I don't care. Um, Draymond is not afraid to be. Um, is not afraid to be a contrarian is not afraid to speak his own mind. Um, I think uh, he sometimes. Talks out of both sides of his mouth, but whatever. I appreciate Draymond uh, and his willingness to be honest. Um, How do you think what he said plays in the Warriors locker room?
2: Uh, I think that Draymond has always been the guy for the younger guys, even for a lot of the older guys who they feel will always defend them all, almost at every turn, I, and I describe it like this: B, there is a a tangible quality to to what Draymond says. For so many of the players that come through that room, they see Steph and Clay, and they think, "Oh my gosh!" Like, I I can't believe that I'm playing with Steph Curry, and and hopefully in the Warriors' case. Clay Thompson. I've, I've watched them on TV all these years. I played in all these video games and then there's Draymond and Draymond has been the guy who has carved out his own path and who was a second round draft pick. And there's, there's something that, that any of those players that have gone through whatever paths that have led them to the NBA respect the hell out of Draymond for. And I think this is just the latest example in that, while there were certainly players to your point that went to Wiggins and said, Hey, look, we, we want you to, to get this shot. Just, just, you know, be done with it. We need you out there. Draymond yet again, earns that respect of I, I'm going to stand up not only for what I believe in, but I'm going to stand up for my teammates when I feel like people are unnecessarily cracking down on them. The only thing that, that, I'm not sure if it, it plays so much in the locker room, but B, this goes back to as much as I've enjoyed talking to Draymond and, and hearing how honest he is. You know, he starts when he was going in on, on what he was saying the other day, he's, he's, he mentioned polio. And, you know, polio was eradicated because of a vaccine. <laughs> like, uh, that part was just kind of uh, well, strange. When, when,
0: you, when, you, when you speak on things that you're not an expert on, which Draymond has probably accused me of. He's accused me of certain things in the over the years. But you know, you you, you kind of can get into trouble. But you know, that that's the thing is the, the position that's difficult that Draymond and then LeBron took afterwards is they are part of this more than an athlete brand where they say we can use our influence. Uh, to do things uh, that are way outside just basketball, which is obviously the evolution of the modern athlete and clearly a positive direction. But they're cherry picking, you know, because this is why it's dangerous to do this because you can't say you're you're more than an athlete on some things and on other things say, what do I know? Who am I to say? You know, you can't say, I'm going to take a leadership role for society over here, but then over here say, I'm going into punt formation. When it comes to take a leadership role in society, and again, you can't be all things to all people. That's impossible. But it it creates a a disingenuous situation when you do that. And so, you know, Draymond, who has definitely been somebody who's not afraid to say this is how things should be done, and then go over on and then on the other hand says, "Who, who am I to say how things should be done? Who am I to say what a, what a guy should do?" It just, it undercuts him a little bit. It, it you know, it, it, it cuts down his credibility in my, in my opinion.
1: Well, you guys know, Nick knows this very well. I love Draymond. He's my Spartan dog. We went to Michigan state. Um, and I, it's part of the reason why I love Draymond so much that he's outspoken and willing to always say what he believes in. But, you know, I just, I think if, 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 if I were there and we could have a rational discussion about it, and I think Draymond would listen but it's just like, if you're going to compare saying, well, I wouldn't tell a teammate who went home to be away with his team because his wife was sick, what to do and come back to the team. That is not the same analogy you would use as let's say, for example, you had a staff member of the team whose wife is sick at home and has cancer. And yet you, he has to, let's say if he's a trainer, he has to treat a player who is unvaccinated. And while this trainer might be vaccinated the unvaccinated player is putting this trainer at risk to go home and potentially infect his wife or anything like that. That to me would be the analogy, not the analogy of what Draymond brought into here. Uh, I understand what Draymond is trying to say and take a Stanford's players. And, and it's clearly resonated with other athletes. Uh, Cause you saw on Twitter, LeBron kind of chimed in on that Gary Sheffield, all these people were like, thank you for taking a stand for us. But you know, this is, this is a health issue. This is not a personal issue of telling people, well, you know what? You can't go home and be with your sick wife and, and you need to be with your team. That is not the same thing because an unvaccinated person could put other people at risk.
0: Which is why there's mandates in certain cities and why the NBA has gone all the way to the half yard line of mandating it. They've done everything that they can except for mandate it. And it is strange that, you know, as Woj reported, this is, you know, the union is, the NBA players union is a strange place. And I understand it. it's, it's very difficult to, to bring people together, especially in all the challenges. But the you know, Woj reports the other day that 95% of the players are vaccinated. Then I don't understand why the union wouldn't come to an agreement that everybody would have to be vaccinated if 95% of your members did it let's take a roll call vote. <laughs> but um, you know, I, I, you know what I mean, I know it's more complicated than that and you could bring people on, they could talk for hours, or whatever, but you know, again, it's a little disingenuous to sort of tout that 95% of your players do it and then your union won't have it done. But you know, like it, part, part of it is that I am particularly attuned to what I think is hypocrisy. It, it drives me crazy, even though, hypocrisy is part of our literally everyday life so
2: but but this um, is this is as a fan b this is what is driving me crazy is that i'm sitting there walking in there every day and the only main story in my case covering the warriors is did andrew wiggins take this shot or not
0: i know and and i don't really want to do entire podcasts on this I, i really am not happy about it if
2: you want my honest opinion but how am
0: i supposed to operate in the nba this is like the most important thing going on
2: right Absolutely. And that and that's the, the issue for the league is that and, and it speaks to exactly what you're saying. You've got 95 percent of the players supposedly in the league that are vaccinated and for a week now. Forget forget Andrew Wiggins uh, story for a week. We've been talking about Kyrie and, and whether or not he's going to get vaccinated. And, and we heard Bradley Beals comments. I mean, this is it's, it's a it's a real problem. It's a real problem yeah. because I don't even know. And this goes back to what we've been saying throughout the podcast the NFL, like who knows who was or wasn't. I mean, Cole Beasley made it very clear that he wasn't going to get a vaccine, and Kirk Cousins uh, as a couple examples. But I mean, we, we didn't endlessly talk about these issues. And with the NBA, even the players who are vaccinated, they're to 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 what we're saying about Draymond. They're taking a stand for those who aren't. But that has well, been some for of the first some week. Yeah, some of them. But that has yeah. been for the first week the major storyline uh, in a brand new NBA season. And and as a fan, I absolutely am just tired of that conversation. All right.
0: Uh, okay. Well, thanks for listening to the podcast. Thank you to Nick. Thank you to all. Thank you to Dr. Jackson. Everybody I hope you enjoy your week you